Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, with me, Laurie Dunsire, joined again by Mark Donaldson. Hello Laurie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. It's 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 a little lonely, just just us now. We've had you know, the, <laughs> the, the stars on recently, the Joel Skeds and Stefan Adam, and just just us again this week, though. Yeah, but a lot of good feedback. So thank you, thank you for that. And it's back to the the shitty duo of us again. So just we are. Uh, <laughs> I just think everyone's just turned off now. That's it. <laughs> Don't you mean no guest? We've had back to back guests. <laughs> Yeah, we should have we should have dragged it out till till halfway through, suggesting we might have someone. Um, no, we don't have anyone um, this week. This week, uh, not but this week. Ne- next week, we are hoping to have someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, yeah, we won't say too much yet, just because yeah, things change. But we'll hopefully have someone on next week, and we'll, and we'll try and get people on on a fairly regular basis. But some weeks, I'm afraid it will just be the two of us. Um, the 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 duo that have been so this is eighty two episodes now um actually Oof. well actually I mean eighty three if you include the Stefan Adam one but that was an extra but eighty two full episodes we'll we'll call it so um yeah still go still going um uh during this lockdown period and we will still have some things to talk about uh we're gonna briefly talk about what's been going on or some of the latest developments in Scottish football but not for too long because we've covered that. So much, so much already. Um, but we're mainly going to have some more maroon memories, and this week we're going to be focusing on um, a very famous player in recent Hearts history, going into a bit more detail of his time with the club. Um, first up, so just quickly, uh, last week Joel Sked put the homework out there, which was um, the moment it all went wrong for Hearts, that single moment that it went wrong in the last four years or so. Uh, so thanks for everyone's responses, um, although I'm not going to get into them just now, but what you can do is you can check out Joel's final article, which went up a few days back. Um, you can get that on the Evening News website, so hopefully some of your responses helped inspire the words as Joel looked at where things went tits up at Tynecastle. Um, oh, that sounded quite good. That could have been the title of it. Um, note, note for future. Uh, last week, we also spoke about your favourite people associated with hearts. This wasn't players or managers, but fans or employees or just anyone else who you associate with the club. And we had some great responses and some really good discussions. And um, I think we all enjoyed talking about it last week. I actually got a, a follow-up email as well from Graham Fletcher, which um, I'll read out just now. Um, Hi guys, love the podcast this week. The best yet, in my opinion. Uh, Pharaoh is a good friend of my dad's. Now, this is in reference to, um, we got a message from Catch22, I think it was, in our last show, mentioning Pharaoh, who had um, created the Hearts European song, and had mentioned he had another song he'd created to do with the Cup final in 2012. So I'll go back to the email which says, The American Pie song he made up was sung quite a lot in the championship season, although mostly in the the pub pre and post match. He's a great guy and it was good to hear him mention amongst many other well-known characters, hoping for more feature length episodes in the future. So uh, I was going to... 
I contemplated trying to sing this, but I'm not going to because Ooh. I I I can't sing, and there's also a lot of words. So, um, you know, if it was a a couple of quick easy lines, I might have made a a, a fist at it, but I'm not going to. So, um, this is this is the song here, which was um for the of course the cup final uh, in 2012. So this was to the tune of American Pie, which I'm not going to sing though. So. Not so long ago, I can still remember when the hobos thought they'd win the cup. So they travelled through on a sunny day, Kajabi wearing gloves in May, the proclaimers Fish and Dugray Scott. But Rudy Scatchell made them shiver with every left foot he delivered, but McPake and others on the ground then told them not to make a sound. I still remember how they cried when they said Santana took a dive. Craig Thompson said it was inside the day the hobos died and we were singing bye bye did you stay there till five you'll remember this day till the day that you die we'll do it all again because it should have been 10 the day the hobos died so it doesn't quite have the same ring as the european song but it's it's creative though and it does it does fit in very well with with american pie which again i'm not going to destroy with my attempts at singing it but um I, I could see how it maybe would be a bit of a tricky one to catch on as a football song yeah biggest bonus about that it wasn't the 10 minute version that uh, <laughs> don mclean produced that was always in in the days of, of vinyl um records back in the days of radio djs who used to smoke so many cigarettes um when it came to stopping smoking in the studio they all had their own songs depending on how quick they were to have a cigarette but don mclean's american pie was a favorite among many djs because it gave them the opportunity to have a proper cigarette and not have, to <laughs> worry, not have to worry about rushing back because he was only on verse 23 at the time but that just the one verse very well put together and, yes. and thank you for not attempting to to sing um <clears throat> you're we welcome all appreciate that. You're, you're welcome More it's Sometimes football songs are actually too creative. I think you know it. It's not. Sometimes the simpler the better. But when you think about it, the European song it's actually very impressive. I know not everyone says exactly the super, same words. Super song, super song. But the fact that it actually gets sung as well, because yep. there's, there's a lot to it. It's not a straightforward, mm-hmm. you know, two sentence chant or anything. There's a lot no. to it, and um, you know, it, I think it probably shows just how good that song is that that it still gets sung and it kind of. You know, you hear it ringing out around Tincastle when we're going to Europe, which well, <laughs> could be a while. When did that before last we do happen? that again? Yes. Oh, well, Birkirkara was was our oh. last game. I actually listened to the rest of last week's podcast uh, earlier today. I was taking a drive to see a friend who lives about an hour away, so that that gave me a decent opportunity to listen to it. Um, and I got annoyed because when I make mistakes or or say things, and I think oh, I should have said that at, at the time. Uh, and there were various um, there were there were various things. And you asked the question, "Have you ever been in the the known Hearts end at a Hearts game?" And I thought, "No, I hadn't." First time I was ever at Pataudry, Um <laughs> My dad took me. It was 1986. We won 1-0 up there. Uh, I think it was the March time, February March time. It was part of the run, and we we had no idea. We'd never been to Pataudry before. I was just a kid, so I left it to my dad, and and we. For for anyone old enough to remember, before the kind of renovations in the new stand at Pataudry, there was a little kind of shed in the corner, which was sat up um, 
the seats were a lot higher than than those in most of the beach end behind the goal. Um, so we didn't know. We, we just found a turnstile and went in there. And um, that was, I think, that's the only time that, that I've been there. But I'm tr- I'm trying to think back to not specifically, but I remember we had an episode of of scarves around the funnel where we discuss the words when it gets to which players that we yeah. have no <laughs> cares for yeah. uh in in the hearts european song again it depends how old you are or, or what you've heard from from friends and family i suppose indeed um and yeah, we, we won't revisit that that debate for now but no, no, uh, but no. thank you very much for the email uh graham fletcher we appreciate you getting in touch Quickly move on, before we get into the Maroon Memories, I want to, uh, you know, it's been said so many times by all of us, Joel said it when he was on, and so many fans have said it, it's almost tiresome, the ongoing saga in Scottish football, although it's not an end yet, but I want to quickly highlight something, because obviously we're at the point where the Premiership season has been called for now, Celtic have been named champions, Hearts have been told they'll be going down, although there's another reconstruction proposal on the cards, how much likelihood that has of going through, who knows. Um, and then there's the talk of legal action. And Hearts did put a statement out which suggested that would be the avenue they'd, they'd look down because far cheaper for them to for, for legal action than it is in terms of what they lose for going down. But I want to quickly highlight something to you, Mark, and see what your thoughts are because Neil Doncaster came out, and I'm just going to quickly take a couple of quotes from from his kind of response to all this, which was in reference to Hearts taking legal action, and and I'll I'll quote now. Although they are one of 42 member clubs within the league, each club and the board of each club has to do what's right for their club. But any action that's taken by any member against the league ultimately is taken against members as a whole. We don't hold reserves year to year, so any action that any one individual club takes, effectively the burden of that would fall on all other members. So the message he's sending here is... Hearts taking legal action is, you know, selfish of them. It's against all other clubs and they can't afford this legal action. And um, I think I'll let you, I'll let you, what was your reaction to this type of message coming from Mr. Doncaster? <laughs> um, One's just reaction? two words, one that starts with F and one that starts with O. No, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> he, he's 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 got to try and do and say um, what's in the best interest of the club. I'm bored of, of of hearing about that. I mean, they don't carry reserves. That that's interesting. Um, so, what what happens to the money when it's paid by Sky? Does it go straight to the clubs, or or how does that work? That that's a that's a moot point. Um, the key is, I put in a tweet yesterday. Here's the tweet, if you didn't see it. Intrigued as to how Hearts would fare if going down the legal route. So far, and this is the key thing, so far, the SPFL has been able to control the narrative. Not so if legal action commences. I understand he doesn't want Hearts taking legal action because he's worried that they may have control over votes and percentages and laws and rules and governance north of the border. But, I mean, you ask Alex Salmond when he went into court, he was hoping he was going to get get, uh, get off with the charges. He didn't know. He didn't have any control over it. Um, he hoped that his defence lawyer would, would do his job 
um, better than the, the prosecution lawyer. But again, until the verdict is read out, you have no control um, over over what's going to happen. And that's the biggest concern for the SPFL right now. And the, the, what I put to finish that tweet, prediction, if no reconstruction, the SPFL offer compensation to avoid legal action, but hearts begin next season in the championship. Now, understandably, I had a couple of people saying to me, well, who's paying the compensation if they claim to, to not kind of carry a, a, a fighting fund um, from day to day? Well, who's paying the compensation if hearts take legal action and win? It's the same thing. Yeah. So he, he doesn't want that to happen. Now, is it any surprise that, oh, reconstruction talks have reared their head again <laughs> that's not going to do anything i mean if it's not going to if it's not going to work the first time before it even went to a vote and it became clear that not enough i think what the warning here is that if hearts take legal action the clubs are going to be liable um if hearts were to win but i think it's important looking at this now i think it's important that hearts go ahead with the threat and are prepared to go all the way if the SPFL call their bluff. Yeah. Now, this is different legal action from Rangers or whatever. I don't know what their legal action would be. The gripe here, as it is for any team in any league who have not been relegated, as the SPFL claim, but have been ejected from the league without all the games being played, it's important that unfairness is, is taken into account here, financial unfairness. Um, moral unfairness, tough for Falkirk, for Rangers, for all the other teams. Um, morally, it's hard to take, but it's, it, it, it might, you could argue for Falkirk, it might cost them the money that they would get from going up. Yeah, if you want to take it down to the nth degree, yeah, there's going to be so many people with a gripe. But you've, you've got to draw the line somewhere, and I think it's only fair that those in a position... Can you imagine if, if Celtic or Rangers were in this position especially Celtic. Their fans have come out and said, just just accept it. Well, if the shoe was on the other foot. Celtic were one point behind Rangers right now. <laughs> not necessarily that. I'm talking relegation. No, but that's yeah, what I mean. Right. But even if it wasn't, even if they weren't uh, in that course. position. They... Well, are, you going to call, are you going to call the league with Rangers a point clear? Of course you're not. Would we be going down this road if it was Hamilton at the bottom of the table? Well, that'd be up to Hamilton to see if they had enough money to, to challenge it. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that whole argument annoys me whatever club whatever club would have been bottom they would have been doing the exact same thing as hearts well they would have considered it some would have been able to afford it yeah. hearts may or may not but the bottom line is Laurie, no, would, no would have just accepted it though and said oh, oh I'll, I'll fight of yeah you're gonna fight exactly party want to fight um and i i wouldn't be surprised if there was like a fighting fund in in which hearts led the way Partick paid a share and a small amount was was paid by Stranraer or probably nothing but come along for the ride because if we get it, then you'll benefit from it as well. Strength and numbers type of thing. I mean, my feelings on it are, yeah, if, if, if reconstruction doesn't happen, which seems to be the most likely outcome given, like you said, it didn't happen before, it's going to be a case of the SPFL try to come to some sort of agreement, some sort of compensation agreement without it going to court or if it goes to court, that's where it ultimately might go unless it loses and there's and there's nothing to be paid. I, I can't see, and it's not something, it's, it's 
not something that happens, so I, it's hard to say there's a precedent to go by, but I really couldn't see a court changing footballing decisions on like relegation and stuff, but I could see them saying you their due compensation based on this. So yes. I think the SBFL's concern might be that they'll have to pay compensation regardless of whether yes. they do it now or at the end, but if they let it go to legal action, it costs mm-hmm. them more costly. and things might come out that they really don't want to come out because whilst I don't think it would get to the point which courts would reverse decisions it wouldn't look good for a lot of people if a lot of what went on maybe becomes clearer not to a maybe a legal sense but just very dodgy if it you know if if some of the rumors have come that have been said are true between maybe certain board members talking to clubs and encouraging them and saying to do saying them to encouraging them to do certain things and you know i just don't know if they'd want all that plastered across the press or in a courtroom where it's maybe hard to argue against two two things one what is the number or the ballpark figure that would probably be acceptable to hearts to not take legal action and just to, to go away that's one and and we don't know i mean they they claim it's going to cost them three million if they were offered a million would they take that? Who, who'd, who'd pay the million? Would it it's come a out lot of money. money? It's, it's a lot of money. In it, is. It, it is. And, but it's a risk. This is what Hearts have to do. And it's what any team should have done if they were in this position. You've got to put the pressure on. Because as I've said, the, the SPFL, um, I, and it's, it's all been agreed by the clubs. This, it isn't like two people making the, the laws up, making the rules up. It's all been agreed over over time that this is the constitution, these are the rules, these are the laws, this is what's going to happen, this is the vote that's required. That's all been agreed by by the clubs. Um, in charge of that is, is is Neil Doncaster, who acts according to him and, and the way that the clubs want him to act. And it'd be interesting to see if he does a straw poll of, of the 12 teams in the, the premiership, of, of which um, hearts are not right now, um, what they would say. Because... He's got to go to them, and and th- th- this is the other thing. This is this is point two. We've only scratched the surface. People are saying legal action, but no one's really kind of delved deeper. What kind of legal action is is it? And I'm glad you picked up on on that. In that, Hearts would not go to court to say we want to stay in the top flight. That that decision has has been made. Um, it's a members' organisation of which the members have decided that this is the, this is what it's going to be by a majority required. Um, there is no turnaround of that. So unless, once reconstruction uh, goes down the Swanee, which I think will be pretty soon, um, that's it. Hearts Hart, will be playing in the championship next season. So legal action would be to recoup the losses for, in their eyes, being unfairly denied the opportunity to complete the season and, and potentially, uh, potentially stay in the top flight. So... The SPFL have simply to decide if Hearts are serious about this, and I don't see why they wouldn't be at this stage. If reconstruction doesn't work, Hearts have to be serious as far as as threatening, to begin with, legal action, um, because I think they've got a really, really strong case. You're not asking to turn turn it around and and have Hearts back in the top flight. No, you're asking to... You go in with like a shark tank or you guys have got Dragon's Den, the TV show. You ask for half a million for 10%, knowing fine well that you'd probably take 25%. Um, you'd give up 25% um, for half a million, but you've you've got to go in with, with a, a figure. Now, Hearts have already mentioned 3 million as a figure. 
the SPFL don't want to even, as you say, be paying one million. So if you're going to go for it, you may as well do it. And until you're happy with the number you get, I mean, they're saying all oh, the other 41 clubs, you'll you'll harm them. Well, you're going to harm Partick. You're going to harm Falkirk. You're going to harm Stranraer. Yeah, and the idea that you know, oh, Hearts are just acting in self-interest, not get. Well, that's what everyone's done. Let's be honest. So. Yeah, fair enough. Other clubs made a decision based on on self interest, and now Hearts are doing what they feels in their best interest. So yeah, it goes two ways. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out, and maybe what happens in France if that progresses before our case mm-hmm. will be an interesting barometer. Um, I believe legal action is already it's a bit further ahead, is it, than where we are just now? Because, um, is it is it Amiens, is that how you say it? Uh, Amiens, yep. Yep, I think they've already looking into legal action, aren't they? Because they've been uh-huh. sent down. Yeah. So, interested to see how that progresses, if that sets the bar. Yeah, I've got one one final point about this before we get on to, to more pleasing matters to do with hearts and, and looking back. Um, there's been a kind of thread over the past few weeks about if we had one question to ask Neil Doncaster, what would it be? So, here's this week's question. For, for Neil Doncaster. Neil, if you were in Anne Budge's position and she was in your position, would you, as owner of Hearts and chairperson of Hearts, go down the legal route or would you just accept that relegation, demotion, ejection is the way of, of the world and, and the way it has to be? You know what he would say. He'd say, well, I'd, <laughs> of, of course, I'd, 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 as much as, as we kind of would want to, that, uh, well, we have to go to, uh, we don't want to see the courts. <laughs> right? That sounds like Cliff Richard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you, you decided not to sing American Pie. That was, that was very brave. Me trying to attempt a Neil Doncaster impersonation, but sounding like Cliff Richard uh, was, was not <laughs> one of my, my brighter uh, brighter moments, but of course he'd say no. We wouldn't take legal action because that—that that would be my question. That would be—that would be this week's question to to Neil Dawkins. We need some sort of quiz um, music to be played um, when it gets to the the question for Neil Doncaster this week section of the show. Okay, moving on. We are going to have some more maroon memories on this episode, and this week we're going to focus on a player. And a player who is, well, not probably, but most definitely the most iconic Hearts player of the past 20 years. Of course, it's a Mr. Rudy Scatchel. Now, I'm going to start on the 19th of July, 2005. Now, this is two days after his 26th birthday. This is Rudolf Scatchel was announced as the first signing by New Hearts manager George Burley. Despite links to Celtic, the Czech player arrived at Tynecastle on a season-long loan from French side Marseille. Uh, at the time, Burley said, Rudolf is an outstanding player and it is no secret that we've had to beat off some stiff competition. I believe that he is excited by the ambition that the club has shown He's a versatile and strong lad with a good left foot. (laughs) Too right. He's in his prime and he wants to play for us. Skatchel, who spent the previous season on loan at Greek side Panathinaikos, was quoted at the time as saying, 
Hearts are a very strong team and it is a good move for me. I don't know much about Scottish football, but I've watched Rangers and Celtic in the Champions League and also the national team. The following evening, Scatchel would make his first appearance for Hearts, playing 75 minutes in a friendly against Middlesbrough, when he was, of course, taken off for Gary Tierney, who we never did manage to find, Mark. Um, and it was a game <laughs> It was a game that ended 1-1. Now, you would have commentated on that game. Great crowd as well. I think everyone got in free that evening. 15,000 or so inside Tynecastle. Scatchel uh, making his, his first appearance in Maroon. Um, was there much? Do you, I don't know if you remember. Was what, I'm trying to remember back. There was a lot of excitement at that time around everything that was going on. Um, not that it went under the radar, Scatchel, but it wasn't, I guess, the main headline at the time, was it? The main headline was everything that was happening at Hearts. Do you remember watching him in that game and thinking, wow, we've really got someone here, really got a player? No, because my attention was drawn to the front two, especially Roman Bednar, who I believe mm-hmm. played in that game as a trialist. Yeah. Um, and Mikhail Pospisil. Um, so those were the two. I mean, it's, it's funny. Let's rewind totally. Um, as a commentator, you do, and Derek Ray's the best at it when it comes to proper and correct pronunciation. I wondered if we might get to that. <laughs> well, get to it straight away, because it's Rudy Scatzel. Yes. Um, but the first person to say it might have been Burley as Scatchel, and it just stuck. And it, it's like it's like only fools and horses when, um, when Trigger calls him Dave so often that even if you told Trigger that, Trigger, he's, he's, his name is not Dave, it's Rodney. He's still going to keep calling him Dave. So it got it got so long into it that it's it's Scatchel. That was that was how it was pronounced, um, and not Scatchel. But but anyway, um, it was. It, it, I'm trying to think of it. wasn't really billed as as the three checks um, because Bednar was the one who who was 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 so impressive. Yeah. Um, in, in that game, Pospisil got taken off after ten minutes. And by the way, Pospisil is not the correct pronunciation, but I'm not going down there anyway. Uh, Bednar lasted until halftime, was replaced by everybody's favourite Lithuanian, Arturis Rumkevichus. <laughs> um, Pospisil only lasted 10 minutes. He was replaced by, by Callum Elliott. But it was it was Bednar's performance. He was the one check that day that people left thinking, Whoa, we, if, can we get him signed? This is a player. Yeah, and um, Scatchel's next appearance actually was the, was the, was the opener for the new SPL season, uh, making his competitive competitive debut along with Edgar Jankowskis and Roman Bednar. Uh, this was at Rugby Park for the season opener. Uh, despite going behind to a Stephen Naismith goal for Kilmarnock, Hearts rallied and ended up 4-2 winners with Scatchel getting his name on the score sheet. It would be the start of an incredible run for Hearts, but also Scatchel himself who managed to score in each of his first seven games for his new club. Uh, the most memorable of these goals, or at least the most significant, or certainly most memorable from a Hearts perspective, maybe not the quality of the goal itself, but this came in the first competitive appearance for Scatchel at Tynecastle, And of course, it was against Hibernian. Um, and I'm going to quote, and I'll, I'll, I'll put a few quotes out there because I like this article. It's from Joel Scared, actually. Uh, from the Terrace Podcast website. This is from 2016, and I'll, I'll read this part out. It says, 13 minutes into the Edinburgh Derby at Tynecastle, Paul Hartley picked up the ball, and with runners ahead of him, he slid in Roman Bednar. Pinball ensued, the ball spinning up off Zibi Malkowski. The first to react, Scatchel. Off he went in front of the Roseburn stand, 
pact with the Hibernian hordes, he contemplated taking off his top, but opt for kissing the badge in front of the Hybees. All well and good. <laughs> Many players do it. Nothing spe- special. But then he stopped, looked them in the eye, and gestru- gestured for them to effectively fuck off. The Church of Rudy was open for business. Widespread outbreaks of Rudy, Rudy, Rudy devotion. Um, so let's quickly listen back to that moment, the one that made Rudy an instant hero with the Gorgie faithful. When he goes up, letting it up, he's a chance now for Hartz. He's got to go in this time. Hartz had the lead. It's Rudolf Skatchel who scored. So that was the opener in a memorable 4-0 win for Hearts. And uh, you would have been commentating on that one as well, Mark. Probably uh, breaking microphones, screaming down them, I imagine, <laughs> at the time. Yeah, and I, I love this um, story from around that time. That was that was a great day. Uh, it was it was 4-0 and it was... Beautiful day. It was just brilliant. Well, yeah. It was a stunning day and it, it was... On the back of a 4-2 win at Kilmarnock, because Kilmarnock, we, we had a spell where Kilmarnock was an all right place to go for us. Then we had a spell where it wasn't. Um, to get that win, you, you looked at the the fixture list when it came out. Kilmarnock away, Hibs at home, Dundee United away, Aberdeen at home. And you thought, Ooh, okay, that's um, that could be tough. And to go into the Hibs game on, on the back of, of scoring four was was phenomenal. But the thing I remember around this time was not so much after the Killy game, but but more so going into the Hibs game, but certainly after the Hibs game. Scatchell scored in his first seven games that season um, in the SPL, um, not in the League Cups, so that doesn't count. And in five of those, he scored the first goal, sorry, in six of those, um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, and six of those, he scored. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. He, he scored for six of them. So remember the odds tumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's like odds on almost. I think was he not? Well, to to I think come like the fourth or fifth game, he wasn't far off. Um, like he, kind like of evens, even even yeah. money to to score. And he'd been, it was like three to one in stadium um, by the, the, the last few games to, to score first. But I, I think you could have got 16, maybe 20s on him scoring first because no one really knew him. Uh, Bookie certainly didn't know who he was. He hadn't scored in, in his, his kind of debut against Middlesbrough. So it was, it was any price you wanted. Um, and you know what it's like normally after someone alerts the bookmakers and scores first or they've taken a hit or a hammering, then they'll they'll put the price down. I'll be interested if anyone can come up with either a bookie slip or um, information as to what price Rudy Scatchell was for first goal scorer against Hibs. I know that would have been as high as we're going to get because by the time uh, he scored really late on at Tanadice to make it 3-0 the following week after the Hibs game, and then he was back among the the first scorers again, and it, it got ridiculous. The value had long gone, but that is what I remember. In, in addition to him scoring um, in those seven consecutive SPL games to begin season 05-06 and scoring in uh, in six of them uh, with the first goal, by the time we reached the Inverness-Caledonian Thistle game away from home on the 17th of September, if you were looking for value, 
having bet Rudy Scatchel to score the first goal up in Inverness, good luck. You weren't getting any. <laughs> yep, wins against Kilmarnock, Hibs, Dundee United, Aberdeen, Motherwell, Livingston and Inverness all saw Scatchel scoring. That was before a 1-0 triumph over Rangers that brought an end to his streak in front of goal but made it eight wins from eight for Burley's side. Um, on the 15th of October, Hearts faced their biggest test of the campaign so far as the league leaders travelled to Glasgow to face Celtic. Now, the Jambos were just three points ahead of their opponents ahead of the game, having drawn with Falkirk their previous outing, which meant that Celtic had the opportunity to leapfrog the boys in Maroon if they could inflict their first league defeat of the campaign. Now, despite the home team taking the lead uh, at Celtic Park through future heart striker Craig Beattie, it was a certain Czech midfielder that would quickly silence the home support with yet another goal. Bosbissel running himself into difficulties. Jan Kokas. Skatchel trying to come in there. Still has a chance. And he scores. Skatchel gets the equaliser. So that made it 1-1 at the time. And that's the way it stayed. Not much to the disappointment of a certain Mr. Romanov. Um, but someone like Skatchel, we're not going to get into that. You know, we'll save that for the Romanov series, which will probably be about five episodes at least. Um, <laughs> but someone like Skatchel, he wasn't overawed by the likes of Celtic or, 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 or really any challenge put in front of him. And that could be said of a lot of players of that season or that era. But I thought it really showed with Skatchel at that point, didn't it? You know, going to Celtic Park or playing Rangers. Um, if anything, I think he thrived in those sort of atmospheres. Yeah, he did, and he believed that he was he was better than than anybody there. I mean, he didn't care about names. You got to remember as well, Laurie. This is a this is a lad um, when he was making his way in the game who won the final of the Euros yeah. in the under twenty one Euros in two thousand and two for the Czech Republic. They beat a French team, which on was penalties, coached by on penalties, and he scored one. As mm-hmm. did uh, Pospisil, which is the correct pronunciation. Um, Raymond Dominic was was the coach. They had Louis Ndula, they had Govou, they had Steve Malbronk, uh, Escudé, Boumsong, Revoyer, and Mikel Londro in goal. But when I looked at the Czech Republic lineup, Petr Cech in goal, Hubschman, Jiranek, uh, Rojinal, and Grzegira, Pitak, uh, Zelenka, Voroshek, Skatzel, Barosh, and Vatushek. A lot of those went on to, to play for for the top flight team, for the national team. And Rudy only got seven caps, I think. On the bench, Kovac, uh, Pospisil, and Polak. So it was a real talented team. So he was used to playing at that level. I mean, he was providing for Milan Baros. That's the level that, that he was kind of used to, the players that he was used to, to playing against. So for him to go to Ibrox, that was, I mean, a lot of Hearts players and teams have folded um, as they've walked off the bus especially at Ibrox in, in recent years, because our record there is, is so poor. But at Celtic Park as well, it's, it, it wasn't for hiding. And the other thing I remember about the start of last season, it took a while for the opponents to realise that they should just get him on his right side. Because <laughs> he, he, was, he was, when he got him on his left, Anywhere within 30 yards, he fancied himself. Yeah. So whether it was playing at Celtic Park or playing at Ibrox and believing that he belonged there or just being with... He just he played within himself and he was so much fun to watch. And it wasn't until... It's no surprise that we spoke about 
um, the, the kind of form that, that he went through um, in the beginning of that season uh, towards Christmas. And I know Burley left and Burley was his guy. Um, but it was two things. One, obviously, he had such a good relationship with George. And two, other teams started to work him out. And yeah. by that, it just took them a while. By that stage, you knew if you if you get him in on his right, he wasn't going to cause you as, anywhere near as much damage as if you let him have a, a ping with his left. Rudy at the time said, uh, the beginning of this season was the best time in my career. And hard to hard to, <laughs> to see any anything else but, but it being the best time in his career. When you look at goal scoring, I mean, it's incredible. His previous two seasons, he'd scored six goals in 50 games and suddenly he gets seven in his first seven at his new club. Um, by the end of January, the player now obviously fondly known as Rudy, as opposed to just Rudolph, uh, was um, very popular, of course, with the Gorgie faithful and had managed 16 goals in 25 appearances. The last of those coming in another resounding derby victory. Now, um, I'm going to go back to Joel Sked's Terrace article here. He He highlights this as possibly Rudy's best goal for hearts and and i'll quote another part of his piece another edinburgh derby at tynecastle and another rampant performance a hartley free kick broke free in the box bouncing down and around the penalty area three hibs players raced to close down scatchell kept his eye on the ball he knew where the goal was his body his body faced fans in the main stand but he got his knee over and wrapped his foot around the ball sending it skidding into the turf past Simon Brown and inside the post. This time he raced towards the Hearts fans, badge in mouth, 14,000 fans worshipping at his feet. Uh, let's listen back to that goal. Hartley taking this with great care. It's a high one. Right So that was in a 4-1 victory for Hearts. And it's one of these where his technique was superb. I mean, you, you know, you see technique like this at, in football when you when you watch it and you watch European games and you watch some of the bigger leagues. But it's not maybe something you see so much in Scottish football, especially maybe outside Celtic and Rangers and Celtic and Rangers teams of the past. But the way he could strike a ball was incredible, not just when it was set up nicely for him, but in difficult angles as well. Yeah, and he'd played Champions League as well before he came yeah, to yeah. us. And I, men- I mentioned, bear in mind, that Czech team beat Italy in the semi-final, which included Andrea Pirlo. So they were a right good side, but technically they were so, so good. And his ability um, on his left side, and it sounds easy, just show him when he's right. I mean, that's like saying, oh, show Michael Jordan inside in, in double coverage. <laughs> I mean, if you're good enough, you'll find a way. Um, but he had a, an unerring ability to somehow get it back on his left. That piece of of, of verbiage of prose from from Joel that I haven't seen that goal for a while. That brought that goal back to life. The ball hit into the ground and skidding upwards, and it's a it's a great bit of writing because it it brings that to life. Um, and I remember it, I remember it now um, because if you'd asked the four one game, I would have probably had to seen it. Uh, but, to be fair, putting four past Hibs that season but got a bit repetitive <laughs> after a while, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. 
but just just a player who he was he was one of these bums off seats players. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, Rudy's got the ball. Anything can happen. And it, it's strange in that you hear that clinking uh, of the seats hitting the, yeah, <laughs> hitting the concrete but, but as the, everyone stands up. Yeah, there's that excitement when he's got the ball, and there's something about. A left footer who can hit the ball hard. Rangers had that with Alberts. I mean, yeah. We were talking oh, about Alberts. God, I hated playing against them. Well, exactly. It's, it's one of those, oh, Jesus, he's playing. And that's why when we, when I did the piece with Stefan this week and we spoke about the team selection and team news, one of the biggest things in the cup final in 98 was, was Alberts not playing, having been sent off for violent conduct. Rangers fans were exactly the same. And it was, it was like, give the ball to Alberts. You're within 25, 30 yards. It's exactly the same with with Rudy and we're going to go on um, as we speak about Rudy to get some thoughts from others, including Ryan McGowan. Um, and it becomes pretty clear that he was a lazy bastard, but they, they <laughs> Rudy, not Ryan, um, but they, he got away with it because of, of the ability that he had. You want him to track back if he was in the mood, he might, but on the whole, he was about scoring goals and, and creating and and getting those bums off seats, but a lot of the teammates were like, just as well you're as good as that because if you weren't, we would we would have we would have gone nuts at you. <laughs> um, it was after this game, the four one victory over Hibs. That's when the goals dried up for Rudy. This is what you were mentioning about. Yeah. Obviously, maybe teams figuring him out. George Burley not being around anymore, so he actually goes on his longest uh, scoring drought for Hearts, longer than any point would had past and or would come in his heart's career 14 matches in total so no goals in february no goals in march uh, no goals in april uh, but hearts did still seal second place in the league and they had of course reached the final of the scottish cup which would be played on the 13th of may 2006 against gretna was there a more perfect match for rudy to recapture hmm. his scoring touch of course not and in the Hamden Park sunshine, it was the Jambos number eight that got things up and running late in the first half. Nielsen throws it out, Jankowski's tried to find it, Rudy Skatchel! <laughs> Skatchel gets the opening goal in the Tennis Scottish Cup final 2006. He's not scored in 14 matches, what a time to choose. Rudy Skatchel says thanks Jambos, it's the Hearts fans who are thanking him. But despite despite Rudy's efforts and, and everyone else's efforts, hearts were pegged back. And after a Ryan McGuffey equaliser, the game went to extra time and then penalty kicks. And hearts, now managed by Valdas Ivanouskas, uh, Rudy's third full-time boss of the season, were level 2-2 in the shootout when Mr Scatchell stepped up. The tension around Hamden is Rudy Scatchell against Alan May. Scatchell runs up. Oh. As you like, to seeing a masterclass. Penalty taking of the highest order from both sides. Yeah, that's a great penalty. A real touch of class, and I've got to say, great penalty. So cool, calm, collected, opens his left boot, dispatches the ball into the left corner, sending goalkeeper Alan Main the wrong way. Gretna went on to miss their next two kicks. Hearts win 4 2, and of course, lift the Scottish Cup and we have that wonderful image of Rudy Scatchel and Paul Hartley with their swapped shirts um, this game would of course be Scatchel's last for Hearts or at least it seemed that way at the time uh, and again I'll quote Joel Sked at this part 
He made sure to make the most of the occasion, providing Hearts fans with wonderful iconography, from whipping his top off for the goal to the I will never forget emblazoned on his t-shirt, wearing a CU Jimmy hat or the bromance with Hartley as they wore each other's strips back to front. Fans bade farewell to a legend, believing it was goodbye. Uh, now Mark, talk us a little bit through the departure from Hearts, because, well, the first departure that is, because... It's a weird one, because Hearts actually bought Scatchel from Marseille. They used the option they had as part of the loan deal to make it permanent. Um, they'd agreed originally with the French club. Marseille might have been kicking themselves a little bit. Um, but I think it was agreed at around £600,000. But he'd be sold on before making an appearance as a permanent Hearts player to Southampton for yeah. £1.6 And a lot of this is to do with Mr Romanov. A lot's to do with Romanov. A lot's to do with Burley as well. I mean, Burley was involved. He was at Southampton. Yeah, he was at Southampton. Yeah, he'd, he'd gone to Southampton. And it was an opportunity for Hearts to make a, a quick one million profit uh, on a player that they bought for around 600000 to make the deal permanent from Marseille and then, then sold them to, to Southampton for a million more. And it, Romanov had his own ways. If, I mean, if you were... Do you know what? Just thinking about this, and it's not something I'd kind of thought about before. There were elements of Donald Trump about Vladimir <laughs> Romanov. And kind of if you're with yes, him, yeah. <laughs> then you're in his camp. If you're not, or you say something against him, you're a mortal enemy. There is no middle ground. And Did he ever just... use fake news? I wonder if he ever used that term. <laughs> Maybe did. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's these megalomaniacs or these egocentric individuals or or whatever, if that's just a trait of theirs and and the, the siege mentality. And again, he, he Burley obviously, is, as you would imagine, has thought, well, I'll, I'd take him. The, the interesting thing about Southampton, he played, that was around the time Bale went to Spurs mm-hmm. um, the following summer. So once Bale left, I mean, Rudy had a season at Southampton and then he played left back. Yeah. Um, which... Having just said that a lot of his teammates were like, we'll let him away with it because he was such a good player, but he was a lazy bastard. You can't be lazy at left back. And I mean, maybe someone like Sean Clare knows what it's like now to start further forward and be a creative player or um, a more attacking and adventurous player. And he he played a lot at, at right back. I mean, a lot of players have done it over the years. Um, but Rudy Scatchel was was one I didn't think would would play that role. But he did he did all right in that position. I still wouldn't I fancy he, him. I think he played it quite a bit before as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, before Hearts. When when he won the 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 under twenty ones um, with the Czechs, he played in midfield. But he did have spells at, at the start um, where where he played there. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly what he was um, when he was brought to Hearts. Um, but I think I'm right in saying he might have played left back at times for Panathinaikos. I believe I, so. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. exactly, but I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that he'd played quite a lot of his time previous yeah. to Hearts at left back. But and and this is where I I go not off tangent because we're still talking, but this is when it, my mind can deceive me. If I remember rightly, George Burley's chief scout was a guy called Simon Hunt, um, and Simon had a pretty good network. I mean. I don't know the agent that, that he dealt with, but um, Pospisil and Bednar and Skatchel 
and all these guys. Hearts fans might not have heard of them, but they were they were decent. I mean, Pospisil played in in that under twenty ones for for the Czechs. Bednar was like four years younger than them, but he, he had an eye for a player. Now, if he scouted them, he Scatchell's brought to Hearts to play in the position he did, either left mid or just a kind of floating left hand side, do what you like um, position. So. That tends, or that leads me to suggest that when he's been scouted and the videos that have been watched at the time of, of Skatchel were of him scoring goals for, for Panathinaikos and even going further back to his time, um, he didn't play that much for, for, for Marseille. Um, Slavia Prague, uh, in 0203, he got a few, fair, fair few number of goals. So, yeah, I mean, he played left back before, but certainly middle to front was, was his position. But Southampton came in. Um, Romanov made a profit. Uh, I think Rudy was probably at that time thinking, you know what, Burley's gone. Um, you've made my move permanent. Uh, I'll, I'll just let me go. Although he, he probably wanted to stay from from the Hearts fans' perspective, but again, I I, I may be wrong. But Romanov's not going to turn his nose up at a, a 1.6 million pound bid for a player he's he's paid a million less for um, just a short time previously. Don't call it a comeback. move on to Rudy Scatchell, the sequel. So over the next four years after he left Hearts, he played for Southampton, often at left back as we mentioned, in addition to German side Hertha Berlin, his previous club Slavia Prague again, and also Greek side Larissa. He became a free agent after the short stint in Greece and in September 2010 arrived back in Gorgi. Now he's 31 years of age at this point, he signed out a one-year deal uh, with the option to extend for a further season. And at the time, Hearts boss Jim Jeffries said, Rudy is a very experienced player and his arrival will mean more competition for places, which is good. Uh, Rudy himself said, I am very glad to be back at Hearts again. It's a club that made me successful four years ago. I feel part of the club because of the supporters. They gave me incredible backing when I was here before. And now I want to show them we can have success again. I was very successful at Hearts, but I was young at the time and I trusted various people telling me uh, the time was right for me to go, but I was wrong. Now I want to put the past behind me. I am very happy the club gave me another chance to show my best and restore my career. Um, On the return to Hearts, Joel Sked's terrace piece reads, Hearts in the intervening years ventured from one crisis to another uh, controversy to far-fetched circus. However, by 2010, Romanov had already d- determined that the team would do better with an actual manager. Another unforeseen aspect of the Lithuanian businessman's stewardship was his softening towards those he felt had done damage to the club's reputation. The departure of Skatchel did not end on amicable terms, but remarkably, prompting mass hysteria among Hearts fans, Rudy was primed for a return, signing a deal in September. Uh, 
It was better we both had a few years to calm down and to realise that last time neither of us made everything perfect, but we thought we could try to build a relationship again. That was Rudy Scatchel. Um, Joel goes on to say, There was no need for any relationship mending with the fans, however. They simply needed a pick-me-up after an inconsistent start to the season under Jim Jeffries. He was unable to influence a 2-0 defeat at home to Motherwell when he emerged from the bench, but he looked to have given the Jambos a home win over Rangers with a goal which was eerily similar to his first ever against Hibs, only to go 2-1 down in the last 10 minutes. There were signs, however, that this was not to be a case of never go back. The signing heralded a marked upturn in form as Jeffries conjured up a potent attack of aerial prowess, exciting wing play, skill, technique and discipline. David Templeton, Scatchell and Stephen Elliott supported Kevin Kyle. In 14 games, Hearts would record 12 wins to put themselves very much in the title race. Rudy was omnipresent. There was a dominant performance at the heart of a five-goal thumping of Aberdeen, a goal against Hamilton, and then there was a treble against St Mirren, where for his hat-trick goal he treated Patrick Craig like he, like a dog owner pretending to throw the ball, having him run this way and that way. Hmm. So that was the words of Jules Ked. Again, excellent summing up that return. Um, now, he really did hit the ground running when he returned. He, he scored four goals in his first three starts, with three of them coming against a side that hated the sight of the goal machine. That was St Mirren. Inside you, Money as well. Susel. On to Kyle. Kyle. On to Rudy Scatchel. Scatchel! Inside 75 seconds. Hearts up the lead at Tynecastle. It's a lovely move. Rounded off by Rudy Scatchel. The runner, Susel. Kyle on to Scatchel. And he dispatched it past Sampson. There's only one man inside Tynecastle going to take this. It's Rudy Scatchel! 2 0 Hearts, two goals for Rudy Scatchel. Scatchel cuts back inside, Craig in pursuit. Scatchel thought about the pass, cuts back inside, right foot! It's a hat trick for Hearts, Rudy Scatchel. He started the scoring of the match, he ends the scoring of the match. A lovely right foot drive. Inside the post to Craig Sampson, 3-0 to Hearts, and it's a wonderful day for Rudy Scatchel. So that was Rudy scoring um, his first hat-trick against St Mirren, not his last though. Um, the first, a long-range arrowed left foot drive, the second, a curling left foot free kick from 25 yards, and the third, believe it or not, Mark Donaldson, with his right foot. <laughs> that was that was a stage where everyone showing him in on the right and then suddenly, boom. That was a rarity. That didn't happen very often, did it? I don't have the numbers, but I don't believe it did. And I think that goal was actually at the Gorgie end as well, which also didn't happen very often either. That, but, that's a really good shot. You've, I, again, it's just one of those things. That, were all his goals at the start of season 05-06, all his goals at Tynecastle, were they not scored? Um this, I need to check this now. I think they were all scored in the first half at the Roseburn, Roseburn end. end. It's, it's weird. I've not probably not thought about that for 15 No, I think years. that I think it was. I think it was until the second spell. They scored. Scatchel, okay, so the Motherwell game. Let's see. What was the... Right. Um, Scatchel, 13 minutes against Hibs. So that was in front of their fans. Aberdeen, 20 minutes. Because I don't think anybody was able to win the toss... Um, of the coin and, and or maybe they were but no one really 
changed ends. It wasn't no, it's not something no. that's very rarely done. Okay, Motherwell home forty minutes. Um, Livingston was away, Inverness was away, and Celtic away, and Dunfermline at home twenty one minutes. So yeah, that wouldn't have been till that goal. It wouldn't be till that goal that we just heard that third goal against Simiran. I think would have been the first he scored. Yes, so Livingston at home in the December, he got two, both in in the first half. Falkirk in the 5-0, he scored in the 25th minute. So, so far, all his goals at home um, were scored before halftime, and the Hibs goal was at that end, the Mm -hmm. other end as well. And then you said he hadn't scored from there till the cup final. So it took until, that's amazing, it took until his second spell at Hearts, to score a goal at the other end and in the second half in a home fixture. His wow. 44th appearance, I believe. It's amazing. So there you go. Um, yeah, he, he didn't score there. He didn't score there often. Um, but the Corgi stand season ticket holders must have been thinking they're getting a raw deal. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Binoculars required for, for Rudy. Um, were you still at the club when Rudy returned? Or had you already left? Because it was was it twenty ten that you left? Yeah, my last game was Dundee United, and uh, the September <laughs> was that of the game before. Oh, oh, don't tell me. Let me see. I think it was. Let me see. September. Dundee United one one was my last commentary, and the next home game that Hearts played was against Motherwell, and that was when Rudy returned, wasn't it? Yeah, lost two 0 Yes. Came on as a substitute. It's like, right, Rudy, he's gone. He's fucked off to the States. He can come back now. The jinx is away. Wow. Yeah, so I've, I never saw him in his second spell um, play for... Play, yeah, because I started at ESPN on the 1st of September because my last game as a commentator at Tynecastle was the 29th of August against Dundee United. And our next home game was... Rudy's return against the Motherwell. Wow. So, 13 goals in 29 appearances that campaign helped Hearts to a third place finish and a European place, which meant Rudy had now scored 17 uh, and then 13 goals in his two seasons at the club from midfield. But, believe it or not, the best was yet to come. Um, Before we get to the next season, he, he was a different player. Second he was. time around, Mark, mm-hmm. wasn't he? It was not the same player that we had the first spell. No, he'd maybe lost a yard of, of, of pace. Uh, he was, he'd become a bit of a journeyman. You mentioned his his various teams. Um, Southampton let, them, let him go after, he was, uh, after they were relegated to League One. He had a spell with Hertha. He went back to Slavia Prague, did all right there. But by this stage, I mean, when Hearts picked him up after his spell at Larissa, he, he was, what, 31? Yeah. Um, by this stage. But it got me thinking, Laurie, about certain players. I mean, you say never go back. Um, Robbo did really well when he came back. He was only away a season down to, to Newcastle, if that. Um, it, it's, it's one of two things. Some work, some don't. But it's like, as a player, you just find somewhere you're happy. You're, he was staying in Edinburgh. He loved Edinburgh. Um, and he, he loved the city and he loved the clubs. But most importantly, he loved the fans. And, and, as much as we we say, and we can be hypocrites, so we're having a go at Romanov because 
oh, he got rid of Burley because um, Burley was getting too much praise and Romanov felt it. Um, there, there are similarities between Romanov and, and Skatchel in that they both love their name being chanted and <laughs> and, and and fans hero worship. I, I, can you remember how many times you were at Tyne Castle or in away games um, in both spells where it was the, the worshipping, you know, the stand up and arms up and down yeah. worshipping yeah. Rudy Skatchel. We are not worthy. Was, yeah, yeah it, it, exactly. But it reminded me a little bit of, of kind of players that either find teams or find managers. And, and this is pretty pertinent to you, being a Roma fan as well, with them being your, your Serie A team. Um, the number of times that former Roma coach Rudy Garcia had to defend Gervinho, and he ended up having some right good form at Roma, Gervinho, because the pair of them were together a lot many years before that at Lille. And... Garcia always loved Gervinho, and eventually they, they were teaming up again at, at Roma. So for that, that was a, a player um, just wanting to play for a coach and, and producing his best form for that. And there was an element of that with Rudy under George Burley, but he was also the guy who loved being hero-worshipped, and it was reciprocal because he performed and put on a show for the Hearts fans. He certainly did. Um, season 2011 12 in typical Romanov fashion saw a lot of turmoil at the club from an early sacking for Jim Jeffries to players not getting paid on a regular basis and Rudy actually only signed a new deal at the club on the 4th of August keeping him at the club until the end of January at the time and this was after Paolo Sergio had already already been appointed as uh, Jim Jeffries successor no surprise what happened in his first game under his new boss, Skatchel scored in a 4-1 win over Hungarian side Paksh at Tynecastle in the Europa League. Um, more was to follow, including a cracker against Celtic at Tynecastle before his first appearance against Hibs that season. Now, this was in the New Year derby of 2012. Now, despite it being the third straight month that player wages had been delayed Hearts would make it four without defeat in the derby, keeping Hibs in 11th place in the SPL table. Um, after a goalless first half, Ryan McGowan fired Hearts ahead from close range before a Marius Zaliukas own goal squared matters. With seven minutes to go, Andy Webster drilled home a fine goal to make it 2-1, but the scoring wasn't finished. With Hibs pushing for an equaliser in added time, a long ball upfield finds John Sutton. With chance of you're not very good ringing out from the Dunbar end, not at John Sutton, at Hibbs, that is. Um, Sutton quickly chips the ball into the area where Rudy Scatchel is waiting. He still has a lot of work to do, but it didn't really matter. It's Rudy Scatchel. And Sutton is away from O'Hanlon with Scatchel waiting. Rudy Scatchel! Fabulous finish! So with the ball bouncing up in front of him, heading away from goal at a fairly tricky angle, Skatchel still manages to get it under control and then absolutely blast home a half volley, almost through Graham Stack in the Hibs goal. He then bows in front of the Hearts fans behind the goal before pointing to the back of his shirt to the Hibs fans. Glorious. Now this is possibly my favourite Skatchel goal. Not just for the not just for the quality of it, um, but just the moment, the celebration, 
Um, the way he takes it is beautiful. It, it's, it, it's, he hits it so true. It's so much pace on it. It doesn't matter that it's not in the corner. The goalkeeper's not saving that. And then just that wonderful bow in front of all the Hearts fans. And then after he's done taking the adulation, he then glances over and goes, oh, yep, haven't forgotten about you lot, and starts <laughs> jogging over to the Hibs fans in the East Stand and pointing to the back of his shirt. So it goes from the the joy, the ecstasy, the we are not worthy from the Hearts fans. He laps that up for a few seconds and then goes to the polar opposite, the abuse getting hurled at him from the Hibs fans because he, he doesn't want to forget about them either. <laughs> um, I just, I, I was in the, I was in the Dunbar end that day, and it was just what, what a moment. And God, it, as much as Hearts fans loved him, the Hibs fans loathed him, and and he, I think he fed on that almost as much. As the, as the positive stuff he got from the home fans or the, or the away fans on this occasion. He scored five goals against Hibernian. Um, his favourite opponents were St Mirren, who mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it was a week after that derby, Easter or two weeks after that derby, he scored um, in a fi- he got a hat-trick in a 5-2 game. I think that might have been the one that, um, that Zalukas was sent off. Yeah, great um, game, yeah. Yeah, and Hearts won at 5-2 because Scatchel got a hat-trick. Uh, Quick quiz question for you. Okay. Rudy, Rudy Scatchel scored two-thirds of his 48 goals for Hearts at home. Mm-hmm. He only, though, scored one of his six goals in the Scottish Cup for Hearts at Tynecastle. Who was it against? It was a header against St Mirren, wasn't it? Very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was at that game. It was 2-2. And, uh, yeah. That's- you're not getting extra points if it's replay, right. Yeah, well, well, he he scored against him in home and away. Obviously, he scored in the the replay as well, and that earned Hearts uh, a place, which, which is where I was going to go. So it's it's ideal you threw that in there. We don't rehearse oh, there you this. Go. Um, no, <laughs> obviously, if you listen every week, you yeah. know that. And yeah, that was it. Was a two-two game in in March. Wow. And um, very good. So home and away, he scored against St Mirren uh, to help Hearts into the semi-final of the Scottish Cup against Celtic, um, obviously at Hamden Park in April. And after Hart soaked up a half of Celtic pressure, Paolo Sergio sent his side out in the second period with a bit more attacking impetus, something which paid dividends almost immediately, largely thanks to more clinical finishing from Scatchell. Look through for Elliot, for Scatchell into the back of the net. A tremendous opening to the second half for Hearts. This is another fabulous finish. He, he gets played in nicely by Craig Beattie, but he shows such composure, not just to touch the ball around Fraser Forster, which, by the way, how scary must it be if Fraser Forster is running out at you? <laughs> Six foot seven guy, and he's, and he's not skinny either. Um, he then, not only that, he skips around the goalkeeper, but he manages to hit the ball high to lift it over Charlie Mulgrew on the line. And this is split-second stuff, um, because if he didn't do that, Charlie Mulgrew's going to stop that if he went low. And this, yeah. is, this is another goal. Again, I was behind it. I was in the West Stand at Hamden with this one. It's such a good finish. And, you know, that quickness of thought, I mean, you watch it now and you think, yeah, clever, round the keeper, yep, lift it up. But he's he's doing that in... What a second, two seconds. It's it's actually incredible when you look at the quality of that goal for for the level, you know, relative to the level we're talking about. Mm. Accuracy and Rudy Scatchell seem to go hand in hand. Just obviously the last few days uh, we've had the the anniversaries of of the five one, mm-hmm. and 
the shot from the edge of the box, if you're behind the goal, um, you would have had the perfect view of it. But it was just so accurate. I was. You couldn't really, and I talk about yeah. that. It's in my notes because I was yeah. almost in line with it. <laughs> yeah, f- feel free. But just accuracy. Very, very good striker of the ball. Very crisp mm-hmm. um, striker of the ball. And that, that left foot was a wand at times. But someone who scored all sorts of different types of goals in all parts of the net. He didn't really have a favourite place, but he utilised that whole area um, the best way possible. And so many different goals from from Rudy, but there was... I remember commentating on a a game, not not to do with Rudy, but something that Rudy does with Craig Craig Patterson. We were at East End Park and Hearts were playing... Um, I'm sure I'm sure it was Hearts against Dunfermline, and someone scored from outside the box. And Craig used a term I don't think has been used ever since, and this is going way back, but probably hadn't been used since like the 60s when his dad Jock was was part of the the famous five team at Hibs. So he, he struck the ball, and obviously I've commentated on the goal, whoever it was. And I remember Craig saying he said. He says, that took me back. That was a proper arsehole winder. <laughs> a, a what? what? He says, an, an, an arsehole winder. I said, A, we can't really say that word on radio, Craig. <laughs> and, and, and B, wh- from which decade and which era was that? Rudy was capable. And I can, we can say it now. And I apologise for the six F-bombs last week. I haven't had one yet and I'm, I'm not going to. My wife told me off because our daughter was in the car and one of them <laughs> dropped last week. So, um... Rudy had the ability to score those types of goals, but also um, take the ball quickly so the goalkeeper couldn't set himself. And that a good example against um, Celtic. It was just a clinical finish. But he also had an ability to, to really lift that left leg back and produce an arsehole winder of the highest order. <laughs> Not one I've heard before, and no, I've never poss- heard it before. Possibly either. not one I'll hear again. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put that in Google and see what comes up. So, uh, well, oh God, you're doing this. Oh, I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, so obviously, we'll hearts, work pure. Uh, hearts, <laughs> hearts won that semi-final, of course, two-one. Um, a couple more league goals followed uh, for Scatchell before the showpiece final at Hamden Park on the 19th of May. And again, similar to his first spell, future uncertain, it seemed the likelihood would be that Rudy Scatcher would no longer be a Hearts player after this, so he'd be bowing out with an appearance in a Scottish Cup final. Um, he went into the game on 16 goals, so he was one short of his total from 05-06. But by 4.45pm that Saturday afternoon, he'd have finished the season with his best tally yet uh, both goals so typical of Scatchell so Hearts leading 1-0 thanks to Darren Barr when Rudy is played in by Ian Black right on the edge of the area driver Black Scatchell ominous <laughs> took a deflection off the peak but Rudy Scatchell has had his say this is the stop Now, he's barely even facing goal, um, and McPake closes closes him down right away, but he gets his shot away so quickly that Mark Brown in the Hibs goal barely has time to think about it, and obviously there's a, a wee deflection in there as well. 
And then with 15 minutes remaining, Hibbs dejected 4-1 behind, down to 10 men. Suso plays Skatchel in 25 yards from goal. Here is Suso. Could he be about to take his leave? Skatchel. And Rudy Skatchel scores again. Hibbs humiliated. This is Hearts Cup. So at this point, when he gets the ball, you know, Skatchel, he touches the ball forward, lines up, finds his range, and then he almost rolls it into the bottom corner from about 20 yards out or so. It's so accurate, like you said earlier, uh, Mark. I was only about the second row in the West Stand for that game, just a, a wee bit along from the goal. So you could just see it just rolling in. It kisses the post as it goes mm. in. And it's just a brilliant moment. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to sum up uh, this sort of end um, for Skatchel, and you can have a quick few words after it as well. So um, Joel Sked in his article uh, start, starts this bit by saying, there is only one team in Edinburgh, which is, of course, a quote from Mr. Skatchel himself. For the last seven years, it was building to this. When he rocked up at Tynecastle in the summer of 2005, no one could have anticipated how much his life would change, how much of an impact he would have on the club, how much joy he would bring to fans of Heart of Midlothian Football Club. On the 19th of May 2012, Rudy Skatchel completed his journey from cult hero to legend to immortality. In the biggest Edinburgh derby in history, Hearts had a cheat code. They had the equivalent of an unlimited <laughs> ammunition code in Grand Theft Auto 3. They had Rudy Skatchel. He was awarded time in the edge of the box by James McPake to line up a shot which, with the aid of a deflection, put Hearts in command at 2-0 before executing the most famous knee slide in the club's history. And then with the score at 4-1, Hibs down to 10 men, despondent and waiting to be put out of their misery, Skatchel stepped up, pulled down his executioner's mask and finished Hibs off once and for all. This was the perfect last act to Rudy Skatchel's career at Heart of Midlothian. A left-footed shot from the edge of the box into the corner against the team who loved to hate him. In the club's biggest game to complete a resounding win and Scottish Cup victory. Barring a hat-trick and an 8-0 triumph, it could hardly have been scripted better. Skatchel was a two-time Scottish Cup winner. All that was left was the acclaim. Atop the podium, in the middle of Hamden, he stood facing the thousands of jubilant jambos, arms outstretched. The final farewell, 109 games and 48 goals. And it really was you know, if we thought it was a perfect send-off first time, scoring and winning the cup, this just trumped it and then some, didn't it? It did, and in a way, um, as as Joel so eloquently put that, being the perfect ending. In a way, when he did return to Hearts to train, and we couldn't sign him because of the transfer embargo. Uh, I'm looking back now. I'm glad because I saw him at Dundee United and. It, this is where it's weird because you see him at other clubs and you think, no, nah. I mean, I watched him at Wraith much later in his career at Easter Road when he went off and, and did the 5-1 and the the, the 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 natives were very restless. Um, <laughs> but in a like way, that. yeah, there was, there was spit emanating from the sides of grown men's mouths in the main stand at Easter Road as Rudy made his way off taunting those above him. Anyway, um, 9th of October, he trained with the club uh, later that, that year, the next season, and, and it never happened. And I'm, I'm glad it didn't, because 
there's there's ways to end. Now, you spoke about Craig Levine last week ending potentially his spell in charge with a cup win over Celtic, and it, it didn't happen that way. Joe Calzaghe, Madison Square Garden, 2008, I think it was. Uh, I was in New York at the time visiting my cousin, and, and I saw his final ever fight against Roy Jones. He decided that was it. He never lost. He didn't keep chasing the paycheck. He went out on his own terms. Now, Rudy would have loved to have gone back. He, he didn't train with Hearts for nothing in October 2012. He trained with them in the hope that it might lead to the relaxation of of the, the embargo and he could get a deal. So it wasn't a case of that's it, I'm, I'm done. There's something to be said about being fortunate enough to have it on your own terms, whether it's Joe Calzaghe, um, who retired unbeaten against Roy Jones after victory at Madison Square Garden, or in this instance where I think he deserved his good fortune, Rudy, and that, that was his last ever game for Heart of Midlothian. And as he said it, the best way to say goodbye was with the cup in my hands. Indeed, and obviously Hearts fans were, were hoping for Rudy to stay. I wanted him to stay, but the money wasn't there and it would be the end of an era, even if the popular check would be seen on the pitch at Tynecastle again, of course. He went on to play for Dundee United, wearing a 5-1 jersey, of course, <laughs> uh, during which time he was given a standing ovation playing against Hearts at Tynecastle in the 51st minute, of course. He had a short spell with Wraith Rovers uh, when he played against Hearts in the Scottish Cup. He then finished his career back in his native Czech Republic, helping FK Prebram win promotion to the top flight and then also avoid relegation the following season. He actually only retired last year, June 2019, just before his 40th birthday. Played for no fewer than 12 clubs, was capped nine times for the Czech under-21s. He won seven full international caps. He won the Czech Cup, the Scottish Cup, the under-21 European Championship. He scored over 80 goals in a career that spanned 20 years. But the man from Trutnov in the north of the Czech Republic will always be remembered most for his contribution to a club almost 900 miles away from the town of his birth in the capital of Scotland, in the glorious maroon shirt of Heart of Midlothian, the charismatic Czech footballer with a rocket of a left foot endeared himself to Jambos across the globe, becoming a real legend for the club. You know, for me, in football terms, what made him special, I mean, his shooting ability, of course, you've mentioned that, from pretty much anywhere within 30 yards of the goal, no matter the angle, the position of the ball, how many defenders were in front of him. Possibly the best striker of a ball I've seen in Scottish football, let alone just at Hearts. Um, but it was also that coupled with his connection to the fans, I thought his, his enthusiasm, his energy, his clear affinity with the club and clear willingness to get it right up our rivals, uh-huh. also made him special. And more so, I think, because he not only wasn't a Hearts fan, but he wasn't even from Scotland or the UK, but he yeah. still bought into it so much. And... I think it was it was good what you said, similar to Rob, it just clicked at hearts. It didn't seem, you know, it's not that he was bad elsewhere, but it just didn't work the same huh? anywhere else. And it's one of these, he was just made for hearts and hearts were made for him. And his teammates loved him. So I want to read you just three short paragraphs from Ryan McGowan, mm-hmm. uh, who was kind enough to provide them. Before I do, um, the modern day equivalent, by the way, of an arsehole winder okay. is a thunder bastard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I, I, I prefer. Not, I prefer Thunderbass. And Arsenal Winder sounds kind of. 
fourth a bit would in- get me intrusive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we we have a swab for you here. Um, let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, so so back back in the the back in the way back in the day, Arsenal Winder was the the phrase of choice, and today it's Thunder Bastard. Neither of of which will ever appear in any commentaries. A, I either do or B, I listen to. Um, imagine an Urban Dictionary style football commentary where you could say anything you wanted. That would be fun. It'd be more fun than listening to us commentators do that. Anyway, we now have have. Put that to bed. No more arsehole winder chat or thunder bastard. <laughs> Ryan McGowan kindly said when I asked him any tales about Rudy, he said, just remember as a squad, we would always allow him leeway. As a fullback, uh, we'd have a love-hate relationship when he played on my side. I'd get zero help defensively. However, he'd also help me in the assist charts. He also said he was also a very, very good footballer outside of just being a goal scorer. Very rarely did he ever lose the ball. And physically, he was always in great condition. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he wouldn't have still played at nearly the age of 40 when he when he retired if he wasn't in that kind of condition. He maybe just lost a yard or, or two that made him less elusive um, to get away from, from opposition. Uh, Ryan continues, can't remember him missing many games through injury, which is down to his professionalism. For a midfielder, attacking midfielder, his stats for hearts will never be beaten. And finally, as a young boy, when I was coming through, he would get me to stay back with him and either cross or fire balls out to him. He would give himself two touches to get it under control and shoot. Very rarely would he ever miss the target, and if he did, it wasn't far away. Don't think I ever saw him blast a shot wildly that went into row Z. So that, uh, I think Ryan summed it up perfectly in those three paragraphs about what he meant as a teammate and the fact that, yeah, he, he might not give you much protection or cover if he was playing at left mid and you were playing at left back, but he more than made up for that with the ability that, that he had to find the back of the net. Nicely put from Ryan McGowan. Very nicely put. Um, we got some tweets as well um, about Rudy Scatchel, so I'm going to quickly fire through some of these. Um, Anne Waddle just said, uh, when I asked, what are your favourite memories of this man? Uh, Anne Waddle put a picture, Rudy, with Anne. Uh, just said, say no more. And it's something he was always very keen to do, go out and speak to the fans, get involved with the fans, go for a drink in Dickens and such like. Um, HMFC France says his first goal against Hibs at Tiny when he scored in front of the Hibs supporters and told them to get out of the stadium. Legend. Um, Amoruso lets it run, says my favourite goal of his from a technical standpoint, now he agrees with what Joel said in his article, is in the 4-1 derby at Tiny. The technique to get over the ball, hit it on the half volley, into the ground and into the corner of the net was wonderful. His overall performance that day was frightening with a hand in all four goals. Um, Uchi's no gonna get you, says um, favourite memory, sitting in the hospitality at Easter Road, sitting on my hands 2-1 up in injury time, Hibs pushing for an equaliser, wee Blackie sits sutting away down the right, puts over a cross behind Rudy, supporting on the left, two touches boom, 3-1 and that was my favourite Rudy goal as well, another cracking moment uh, what we've got, Billy Steedman says, securing a selfie with a great man, South Stand lower when Callum Patterson bragged a brace uh, to then lose it trying to transfer it to my new phone. <laughs> oh, nightmare. <laughs> um, Brian Millen just says, his left peg, which is to the point and well, pretty accurate. It's probably our 
best memory really of him because so much magic happened from it. Um, Angela Ballantyne says, This is tragic. I saw Rudy in the crowd at McDermott Park after he left. Everyone was going up to him and asking for pics. Instead, I showed him a photo of my dog and told him I named it after him. What was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) We also got one from someone called No Breath. It said, I know quite a few jambo dogs called Rudy, including my own. I wonder just how many out there there are. Yeah, I mean, I I was speaking about this... um, not too long ago with the mother half actually saying a bit there's a lot of kids and pets called Rudy from from either the first era or that era and I think you mentioned it as well with Stefan was on doing his interview that there's I, I actually know the person he's on about Adam Kennedy who says he was named Adam after Stefan Adam yeah. mm-hmm. so um, it happens although just more noticeable with Rudy than Adam I suppose but um, uh, what we got here, so Daniel McIver uh, says, uh, was in the passenger seat of the car driving back from the semi-final in 2012. Suddenly, my wee brother starts freaking out in the back seat. We had put his scarf in the back mirror and the team bu- uh, bus drove past. Rudy was knocking on the bus window doing the thumbs up to my little brother who was wearing a Skatchel shirt. We ended up following them up to Rickerton, met the whole team and got photos with most of them. Added that extra special moment to an already insane day. Which is, which is great as well. And we've got one from Alan Robson, who um, worked for Hearts, who says, um, the backroom staff all went out to Bar Roma with most of the players. Before we could muster up the bill, we found out Rudy had paid it. So, yeah. Although nice. he, d- he does follow up with another tweet saying, mind you, he was on a good wedge. <laughs> <laughs> worth it though, wasn't he? Oh, of course. Worth, worth every penny. I don't know what his wage would have been in comparison with Jankowskis and some of the Czech boys. No idea. They wouldn't even know where to start. But um, when it comes to that first time around when he was at Tynecastle, as far as value for money is concerned, certainly between when he arrived and Christmas in his first spell, my goodness, he was he was worth every single penny that he was paid. Connor says, met him at a 5-1 book signing session. Wanted to tell him all about my deep love for him. Went over... It went over it time and time again. It sounds like you try to speak to a girl or asked her out. Went over it time and time again in my head. And when I got up to the front, I could barely string a hello. Was like a wee shy boy. Seen him, <laughs> seen him a few months uh, later on George Street, and the same happened. Um, it, which it works nicely into Keenan McLaughlin saying, "There's too many to mention. I admire that man so much. It actually borders on lust." <laughs> <laughs> Lust. Interesting way wow. to interesting way to put it. Um, Kyle eighteen seventy four says uh, there's so many, but joint top has to be his two goals in the final, and also he came to my friend's birthday party with the Scottish Cup and Jamie McDonald. <laughs> in the Scottish Cup, uh, well, uh, with the Scottish Cup apparently. Yeah, J- J- yeah, Jamie wasn't in the Scottish Cup. It wasn't a kind of like surprise stripper. <laughs> no, <laughs> tonight's special oh, guest. Dear. Yeah, that's... And then the, the top's taken off the cup and out pops Jamie and the stripper music begins. Jeez, that's not quite a tangent, but that's down a... Uh, yeah, I mean, imagine you had imagine you had threads, buzzwords for this uh, for this episode. Rudy, arsehole winder, stripper. It's just, it's not, let's not go there. What's good, I mean, there's a lot more messages and thanks everyone for sending them in. I'm not going to get into them all, but what's really, what's really noticeable is so many people have photos with him and that's something that i noticed a lot about rudy at the time i remember actually after the 2012 cup final we were 
we were heading to Tynecastle, um, or I think it was maybe just heading to the Tynecastle Arms, and suddenly Rudy just appeared, just jumped out and was just and decided to walk along. Um, it was possibly a lot of Dal Rai and Gorgie Road, just speaking to people and getting. Mm. And, and he liked that. He liked getting. And but obviously, of, of he, course, that's what we're talking about earlier. Adulation um, for him was. I mean, it was like, I don't know, crystal meth. I mean, he got high on it or what? not having ever taken. I don't know why I chose crystal. I could have chosen so many other things. And why did I choose crystal meth? I've got, I've got no idea. <laughs> what? He, was, he, he, was, he was a special, special talent. He, he, he was. Mark Brody sent in one. I know um, you said we didn't have time, but I want to put this one in. Mark Brody said, met him in a bar in LA in 2014. Took me a few drinks to get up, uh, get the courage up to go over to him. Total gent. Got the traditional 5-1 photo, as you were mentioned, uh, with him insisting he did the 5. Legend. Can you imagine, right? You're in a bar in Los Angeles, right? So the last person you think you're going to see is someone from um, like Scotland. Someone like Rudy Scatchell. So it said Mark said it took him a few drinks to get the courage up to go over to him. There must have been a kind of spell where he thought, "That's him, isn't it? No, it can't he be? We're in Los Angeles. What the hell is he going to be doing? No, what's the, what's the chances?" <laughs> um, I'm I'm glad he wasn't already a few in um, before that because he would he would probably have doubted himself. Said, "No, it can't he be?" But a few drinks to get the courage up. And you're right. Everyone that kind of that's got all the photos that were that were sent in. Uh, we had messages from Fraser Smith, Kieran McLaughlin, Andy Jackson. Um, just, I mean, the, the Kieran McLaughlin one you mentioned, bordering on lust. It, <laughs> it was it, it was it was okay in a in a way to to have a crush. Plus well, man love, yeah, you've got. Yeah, I mean, jeez, just just brilliant. Just such a such a great a great player for Hearts, and we'll go down. When, when picking your top five players, I think he's going to be in in in, in a lot of a lot of selections for Hearts. It's an era thing because I, I understand. I, I, I mean, I, I love Robo and I obviously love him now as well. But I only got the end of Robo's career. I was only I only went to a handful of games that Robo played. I only caught really the last season um, was when I went to a few games. Um, I got all of Rudy pretty much, so you know, for me, he's top of my list because for my generation, that's a good point. It's who I saw most of. Whereas I understand if someone sees Robbo for his entire career, then Robbo would probably top it. But it's when you're most impressionable as well. At, at which stage? I mean, for for me, Robbo will always be my hero. Um, I, I loved Rudy. Just when when you saw his name on the team sheet, you kind of thought. Yeah, it doesn't matter what happens. We've we've always got a chance of scoring in this game if Rudy was on the the team sheet when he was when he was in form. Um, but we we allowed ourselves when he wasn't in form. We're like, yeah, but he might just do something. So you kind of he was probably one of the most forgiven players that wore a Hearts jersey because you know on any given day what he might be capable of. Whereas others. My God, they would have had a hell of a lot of a shorter leash. Get him off! You always kind of thought if the number went up and Rudy's number was was chosen to come off, you thought, "Damn, he's been shit today. He hasn't really looked like he's trying or he's been lazy." But there's always that chance that, I mean, I suppose that would be the first spell between January and his goal in the in the cup final. There were times you just thought, "Yeah, I know it's not worked out from today, but there's still a wee chance." 
that brings us to the end of this week's show. I'm not going to put any homework out there this time because we might have someone on the show next week. And what I'll probably do if we get that confirmed is put out a tweet and maybe see if anyone's got any questions for this someone. Um, so keep an eye on the Twitter uh, at Around the Funnel and uh, we'll hopefully confirm someone for next week on there and we can maybe get some questions from you ahead of that happening. Um, thank you for joining me, Mark. It's been good to reminisce about a Hearts legend, especially during a time of a Hearts team which will not go down um, well in the memory, to, to, to maybe put it lightly. It's good to remember that there have been heroes before and I'm, I'm sure there'll be heroes again. Um, I'm going to end just by pulling another quick quote from from Joel Sked again. Uh, this is from his, uh, it's called The Cult of Rudy Scatchell, incidentally, the article that Joel wrote in August 2016, which you can get on terracepodcast.net. And Joel says, Defensive responsibility was his kryptonite, but in the final third he became a superhero. His reading of the game, anticipation and understanding with the likes of Jankowskis, Bednar, Kyle and Sutton was exemplary. If he was a country, goals would be his currency. From inside the six-yard box, cutting in from the right, running through the middle, or powering down the left. He had both cannonball and finesse. He had charisma and charm. He had the dark arts inside of him and a petulant streak. But he was a winner and had the unanimous love of a football club. He had it. That is, of course, Rudy Scatchel. Yeah, yeah, yeah.